here this morning and grateful to sing these songs. We do it. Need you. And we do believe that you are perfect in all your ways. Father, I do pray that this morning as we open up the scriptures that we can truly in our hearts, truly express to you, whether it's through prayer, whether, whether it's through reflection, that your ways are perfect for us, that you know what's best for us, even if it might not seem that way in the moment. And Father, I do pray that uh, today we can honor you and express our love to you and for you. And I do pray that we can honor our earthly fathers as well today. And uh, that is a reflection of our being your followers, God, is when we obey you and when we honor the people you call us to honor. And uh, I do pray that we can grow in our appreciation for all of your word, for how you've expressed yourself through time. And uh, Father, this morning I do pray that as we look at a few of, of the, what, what are known as the Ten Commandments, uh, Father, that we can still, still believe that you are perfect in all of your ways. And uh, I pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, again, hopefully you're having a great Father's Day so far. It's always encouraging to come together, worship God on Sunday morning. Hopefully you're doing it throughout the week too, but it's special when we can all come together. Uh, I don't know about you, but I didn't sing Good, Good Father this week with a couple hundred people, right? And there's something special about being able to come together on mornings like this morning. And we're continuing our, our, our Bible study in, in the book of Exodus. And we've come, we've come to the part known as the Ten Commandments, right? And uh, there's a whole generation of you that when you think of, you know, Ten Commandments, you know, you're thinking of stuff like that, right? There's a, there's a, there's a the older people remember this guy. Younger people are like, who is that? That's outdated, right? And when you think about the Ten Commandments, you can just honestly think it's outdated. Come on, Jeff, we got the New Testament. We don't need that stuff. But it's interesting, you know, I saw this quote that, talking about the Ten Commandments as really being a precursor to all Western law, even our own, here in the United States by a really renowned uh, scholar in, uh, in, the, in, the, in law. And so the Ten Commandments, we can quickly want to say, ah, oh, that's old stuff. It doesn't really apply to us. But this morning, what I really want you to do is I want you to allow God's message to the Israelites at that time to really enter your hearts this morning. Allow the, allow the message that God gave at that time to have bearing on you today, this morning. Because I believe it can. In fact, I believe if we just totally throw away the Ten Commandments as if, well, it's Old Testament, we've got Jesus and we've got grace. If you don't really understand the Ten Commandments, I really don't think you understand the grace of God as well as you could. I really don't. I really think you need this foundation. And so we're going to talk about, talk about that this morning. Let's just jump right in in Exodus chapter 20, right? And it says, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Who spoke these words? Who does it say? I thought it was the law of Moses. Sometimes we forget. God spoke these words directly to his people. These, these words are directly from God. And that's the first thing we got to acknowledge. 
These words are directly from God. Do you know that oftentimes in the, the time frame of when the Ten Commandments were, were really spoken, there were many other laws and, and, uh, of, of surrounding countries, but oftentimes it was the king who came up with the laws. And, all, and he would distribute the laws to his people. Okay, But Israel was unique in that their law code came directly from their God. Very unique in their day and still to this day. Very unique. These are directly from God. God spoke these words to his people. And then the other thing, which a lot of us don't realize. Do you know that these are just words? It doesn't, the word that it's used in the original language is these are the ten, these are the words of God. Commandment, it's not even necessarily the word commandment. That's not the translation necessarily. Really, when you look at this, it's called the Decalogue, which means 10 words. So these were just words. If I say to you, these are the commandments of God, how do you feel? A lot of times we, we bristle. Commandment. It sounds kind of demanding. I don't know if I like the word commandment, but if I said to you, do you love God's word? You'd be like, I love the word of God. <laughs> That's how we are. I love, I love God's word. Commandment, we, we, we kind of, mm, eh, but I love the word of God. Well, just so you know, in the original language, that's what this means. The Decalogue, some of your Bibles even have a little heading, Decalogue. That just means 10 words. God spoke these words. This is the, wor this is the word of God. Spoken directly from God. Now, it was an intimidating moment, right? On the mountain, it's like a lot going on. The people are like, whoa. The, the, the people could hear the audible voice of God. These are his, This is God's word. So before you just jump to commandment, let them be God's word. It's just the word of God. And this is the part that sometimes messes us up too. We think commandment, and we don't even, there's no way we even think of grace. When you think of commandment, sometimes grace is the last word that's, that's close to commandment. But what is this based on? I'm the Lord your God who what? <laughs> I'm the one that brought you out of slavery. Remember me? I'm the one who did that for you. You were in bondage, but I am the one who brought you out. You see, God is good. <laughs> He's done good for Israel, right? And now it's really an opportunity for Israel to respond to the goodness of God. That's how we should respond to God's word. We should realize how much he's done for us. Before God commanded anything of the Israelites, he reminded them of what he had done for them. This is always kind of the order in Scripture of things. God shows himself, reveals himself, and does for his people. And then he asks them to follow. Notice this. This could have come out a lot differently. This could have played out differently, guys. Totally different. They, they could be in Egypt. Remember what life was like in Egypt? Oppression. People being beaten. Enslaved. Pharaoh just working them, God could have easily revealed himself to them while they were in Egypt. And he could have said, I am Yahweh. I am your God. I'm going to give you these 10 words. And if you do a really good job of following them, I will get you out of Egypt. 
It could have, it could have gone down that way. Do you understand? What, do you understand? Follow these really well. And I'll, I'll take into, into consideration, and then I'll decide whether or not I'll get you out of your situation. That's how this could have gone down. But that's not how it went down. In their oppression, in their powerlessness, their lack of military power, lack of political pull, just a ragtag group of people, God takes them out. They haven't done anything for him. They haven't done anything for him. In fact, they're complaining the whole way. This is after a lot of complaining, people. This is after a lot of, what's your problem, God? And he still is willing to take care of them. He brought them out. And so I think, don't let yourself fall into the trap. Man, the Old Testament, man, that just stuff is just a bunch of rules and laws. God was real harsh back then. But man, once we got Jesus, oh, it's all about love and grace and all of that. You, if you don't see grace here, you got problems. It's always been about grace. We don't deserve what we get. God is the one that acts powerfully in our lives. The least we can do is to be willing to what do you, what would you what do you want from my life? That that is a simple simple response, right? At the end of the day, remember growing up, you ever heard that phrase, don't bite the hand that feeds you? You ever heard that? Isn't that true? Right? I mean, my goodness, if somebody's giving you the, the food and taking care of you, nourishing you, food you didn't prepare, how ridiculous would it be for you to bite that hand? Right? And if you're a parent, you go, I've been trying to tell my kids this for years. <laughs> right? But yet, how, how often do we kind of do that with God? He's just pouring all this grace out on us. But we go, I don't like commands. I, I, I have my own ways. You know, I, I feel like my ability to figure out my life is, is the purpose for me. No, bro, you, you better watch out. We don't, know how, we don't even know what's best for us. We need God's words. We need his words directly from him. Right? Because this is another knock on God in the Bible. Oh, it's just a bunch of words that men gave people. No, this is from God, and he knows what's best for us. We don't know what's best for us. That was proven the first people God ever made, and it's been pretty much going that same trajectory ever since. We feel like we can create our own ways to live this life. Leave me alone to myself. I can figure it out. Thank you very much. But we need God's words. <laughs> That's exactly what we need. So this is the first uh, of the Ten Commandments, right? This isn't even a command. This isn't even it. We haven't even gotten there. But if we don't understand this, then what's the point? We, don't, we, won't, get the ten, we won't even get the ten words. And we're not going to go through all ten of them. Or we don't have that much time today. But we'll go through some of them. But this isn't, this isn't even the commandment. But I appreciate God. He just kind of set the table so that we can understand everything that follows. So the first one that we need to get, you shall have no other gods before me. Good place to start. Do you notice the little, uh, this little A, you know, if you're on this side? I left that in there 
Your Bibles probably have the same thing. And a lot of, just like a lot of phrases in the Bible, there are certain words that can be translated in multiple different ways. So it could say, you shall have no other gods besides me, next to me, except me, in front of me, before my face, in defiance of me. There's a lot of ways to, to translate that, right? But one thing you need to understand is, this isn't, God needs to be number one on a list of all your, your, your gods, okay? Okay, God, you're number one, then money's two, sex is three. No, 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 no. He's not affirming the existence of other gods. That Other gods don't even really exist, just so you know. It's our imagination, okay? So God's not saying that other gods really do exist, and I just need to be number one. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, honestly, he's saying, you guys are so weak that you allow other things to take God-like possession of your life. They're not real, but you allow it to happen. But you can't do that. I have to have preeminence in your life. Not just prominence, preeminence. Numero uno, and there's none, there's none else. That's what God is trying to get at. This is a huge problem for these people that he's talking to. Because these people have been in a challenging situation in Egypt where there were many, many gods that people worship. But what is the phraseology here? You shall have no other. That phrase, you shall have no other. Do you know that that phrase became the basis for the marriage covenant in Hebrew? Refrain from having a relationship with. That's what it literally, technically means. Refrain from having a relationship with. And in Hebrew, that, that phraseology became the basis for the marriage relationship between a man and a woman. So what is God getting at here? It's very clear. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. There will be no third parties in our, in our marriage. It's me and you, right? It's exclusive. That's the heart of what God is trying to get at. Okay, he wants an exclusive relationship with his people. That's the only way it's going to work. Oftentimes we don't, we, we, again, we bristle at this. But, the, you know, we have to allow God to order our world, okay? This is how we, we can't even get anything right unless we let God be God and no other gods be with him, right? And I appreciate God. God's serious. He's been dealing with false gods for a long time, okay? Because we can create them all over the place, right? Uh, but, but, but God says, no, you and, we have to have an exclusive relationship or else nothing else is going to work. And, and the next commandment kind of dovetails on this, right? Because what's the next one, right? The next one says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them for, or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So don't be even making any images of gods. You say, well, why is that a problem? Okay, well, this is, the, this is where they came from. <laughs> this is where they lived. This, this is where the Israelites, they were in Egypt. These were the types of gods that were worshipped. People would literally take a, a tree, chop it down, carve it into these types of shapes and images of of animals, reptiles, whatever. And they would create, and they would create it and say, this is a God. 
The power of the God has now infused this piece of wood. That's the problem. That, that was why God had to say, don't do that. You can't make yourself an image. In fact, some of your translations say graven image. We don't use the word graven much in 2018. But really this word, this graven image, that whole, it really, really means carve out. That's like the literal, don't carve anything out and then say it's a God. Don't do that. Because that's what they had known. He, God understood where they had come from. And so he was trying to give them clear and specific ways of not to live. What happens when we do things like this? Well, I appreciate this song because I think it gets at the problem. Look at this. Their idols are made of silver and gold. They're man-made. They have mouths, but they can't speak. Eyes but can't see, ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell, hands but cannot touch, feet but cannot walk. They cannot even clear their throats. Those who make them will end up like them. As will everyone who trusts in them. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. Order your world so that God is number one. Don't allow yourself to be less than human, God gives us his words so that we can actually live as humans as we should. But when we try to carve out of our society or our world something else and then infuse it with power of God, we become less than we were made to become. We're made in the image of God. And here we are finding stuff in this world and saying, ooh, here's a God out of it. And then we make ourselves less than even what we were supposed to be. It's a deep problem, guys. It's not just, and you go, oh, that's so primitive. None of you in this room knows probably any people, hardly. I mean, sure, there may be some, but I bet you not one of you in this room has probably gone out into some yard, chopped down a tree, and fashioned like a statue of something. And literally said, this is, this is now my God. This is the God that I'm going to pray to. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, find little sheep. And I'm going to go buy some sheep and kill them and sacrifice. And I don't know. Vinny, you, you wouldn't do it. So, so honestly, I do believe that sometimes we can just blow this stuff off. Like, that's just not our problem, Jeff. Can you kind of get on to the other stuff? But then, then I think you, you, you're messed up. Because it is our problem. It's still our problem. Because think about the way they used to live, right? If you're in Egypt and, I'll, and you wake up in the morning, there's this really big thing in the sky. You know what that's called? It's pretty hot, right? And then at night, guess what happens? It's beautiful. It kind of goes down. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And you realize, like, without that thing... Life doesn't really work very well here, right? And so guess what happens? You start to say, well, that thing, that's got some power. I need to tap into that. And so do you know in Egypt they had a, a God that was the sunrise God? There was a midday sun God. There was a sunset God. There was, and their creator God was of the sun. So that, that was in their world in Egypt. The sun was a big deal, and they infused the power of God, and, and they wanted to be on the good side of that sun. 
Woo, you don't want to be on the bad side because there's so much power in it. And so they ordered their world. They ordered their world around the sun. And you think that's primitive. And you laugh at it and you think that it's, it doesn't relate to you. But when was the last time you walked into a room and you, if you're a man, you walked into a room and you see a guy with a Brooks Brothers suit on. You see him get out of his Porsche and walk into a meeting and you go, man, that's powerful. And everybody said, how you doing, sir? How you doing, sir? Everyone, hi, sir. Hi. And you witness it and you go, man, that's powerful. I want his car. I want his suit. I want his job. I want his money. I want that type of esteem from my colleagues. And guess what? You order your world so you can have that. You, you, you order your life so you can have that. And you think it's primitive because these Egyptians were carving out of this stone. No, but you carve out of your own world. You car, out of all of society, you carve out a life that you can have a car like that, get paid like that, and that becomes your God. We do the same stuff today. Right? It could be women. You could say, oh, my gosh, man, look how she looks. If I had that and I looked like that, then, then those guys would be attracted to me too. So if I act like that, let me order my world so I can get guys like that and get that type of attention. So I'll do whatever I can do to get, if I can, if I, if whatever I need to do to change my body, change the way I look, change the whatever I do to get that type of attention, oh, that's how I'm going to order my world. Because I want to be married. I want to, that's my God. That's what I want. It's not carved out of a tree, but it's just as powerful and has just as much of a control over your life. You better watch out. We all make little idols of stuff. <laughs> Don't just laugh at these Egyptians. God knows what he's talking about. We have a propensity to not let God be number one. And we will carve out stuff in this world that can't really save us. In fact, they end up enslaving us and make us less than human the way his words, if we followed his words, we would really be the type of people he wanted us to be. Those who make them will end up like them, as will everyone who trusts in them. What do you trust in? What are you making out of your world around you? You better watch out. Because guess what? You know, this, this, these words from God, he said, don't make any images. Don't make those idols. I'm telling you, it'll mess you up. Don't do it. And then he goes on to say something else. He says, you know what? You do that, you punish the children for the sin of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. What's he getting at? Idolatry is serious. <laughs> There's serious ramifications to it. Open up your Bibles. Read. All you need to do is read like 1st, 2nd Kings. Just read that. And you'll see stuff like, and so-and-so was a king, and he worshiped idols, and he led all of Israel to worship idols. And then, he, and then he'll die or somebody will kill him. And then his son, guess what a lot of times it'll say? And his son did the same thing. And then that person's son a lot of times did the same thing. And, he, and so what God's getting at, he's not saying, well, I'm just going to punish forever. If you're an idol worshiper, then whatever your kid is and then their kid, I'm just going to punish them because they're guilty because of your sin. That's not what the Bible's saying. What, he, what the Bible is saying is that your choice of idolatry has, a major, has major ramifications on your kids and grandkids. 
He said, you need to wake up, just so you know. I don't know one parent in America that doesn't want their children to have a better life than them. All of us want that. We want our kids and our grandkids to have great lives and all that. We, we, it's just universal. <laughs> but you better watch out. If you don't order your world with God at the top, no other gods other than him, if you don't do that, then you, you, what you're doing is you're teaching your kids something that they're going to take and they're going to order their world without God. And it can have deep consequences. It can have intense consequences. So we got to be careful. I think that's what it's getting at. Other scriptures talk about you're not going li- to be liable for somebody else's sins. If you sin, you're going to have trouble. But, it is, but our choices do punish our future generations. They can They can hurt them. But here's the big picture. Even in this, do you see the grace in this passage? There's there's grace all up in this one part of the Bible right here. There's grace in here. Even though it's the Old Testament, there's grace in there. Why? Where do you see the grace? Because I see it there. I see disobedience being punished for how long? Three, four generations. Okay. But what about obedience? How much, is that, how much does that benefit? The disobedience has consequences, but they're limited. Obedience, wow. Thousand, I mean, to a thousand generations. If you want to be obedient to my word, man, it's going to have powerful effect. And this is almost like beyond time. I mean, forever. It's basically what this is a creative way to say forever. You want to mess up, you know, it's going to have consequences, but that'll even be limited compared to the grace I will give if you obey. If you obey, I'm telling you the benefits are for generation after generation after generation. That is powerful. That is the grace in effect right there in the Old Testament, in the 10 words that God gave his people. These are just, these are just a few of them. We don't have time to go into all of them. We're not going to talk about every single one, but I do think it's helpful to remember how gracious God is. And notice this. He's going to show love to a thousand generations, which is, you know, crazy amount, of those who love me and what? So love, love and, and keeping the words of God are tied together. Okay, so, so in, God's, in God's world, but why, why, why? Is it because God is demanding? Is it because God is just so harsh? He's just, he's such a taskmaster. No, Pharaoh is a taskmaster. You're supposed to notice the difference. Israel had to forcibly, against their will, serve a pagan king who was very demanding. But now it's time for Israel to serve. Same word, by the way. Pharaoh says, I want you to serve me. And God says, no, I want them to serve me. It's sometimes translated worship. So Israel's going to worship or serve somebody. Either it's going to be forcibly serve Pharaoh, who's not very reasonable, or they can give their worship and service to God. But you can say, man, see, that's messed up because they end up having to serve anyway. Why can't he just do what they want to do? When we do what we want to do, it's not good. 
You're arrogant if you think that you can do it on your own. How many parents in this room, you got a four-year-old or something, yeah, just let them go. Hey, just take Marta, go wherever you want to go. Here's a couple dollars. Just be home, you know, before midnight. Who in the world would do that? A four-year-old don't know that. You can be 24 and you can't even rent a car. Do you know what I'm saying? Even car companies got enough sense to go, eh, we might need to. (laughs) You can't figure life out. You can't. You don't know how to be humble on your own. You're not. You don't know how to look for someone else's interest above your own. You don't. You usually make somebody earn something before you get. That's who we are. We don't know how to do life. So get humble. We need words like this. And we need to understand that in Scripture, obedience and love, it's, it's the disobedience. I'm going to do whatever I want. God knows my heart. He's still going to love me. That's how we are. No. God is the one that orders the world. Out of his incredible grace and love, he pulls us out takes care of us, frees us from craziness. We've been a beaten up, oppressed. He pulls us out of that situation. Are you okay? All right, let me give you all this land. Let me give you all this freedom. Okay, now let me help you live because you've been living under this crazy situation where you've been, whew, you don't even know what it means to really live, really be human. Now I'm going to help you. This is how you do it. Everything I'm telling you is for your good. So just when you obey it, it goes well for you. So this is how you live. And you know, all of us, we should be like, thank you, God. I I gladly give you my obedience. I give you my whole life. I give you my devotion. I give you my affection. Any possession, it's yours. I'm just grateful. That needs to be the starting place. So whenever we hear the word command, why why bristle? Just go, thank goodness. Because if I listen to the commands of my selfishness, I'm in trouble. Or if I listen to the commands of somebody else who's not following God, I'm in trouble. Man, let me listen to put myself under the word of God, you know. These are God's words, and we need them. And, and loving him is keeping his command. That's what God said from when he started his people, and guess what? It still works today. All right? It's still the same today. All right? And that's why as we pray for the community, I want you to remember that. It's the same concept, right? It's the same. Remember John 13, a new command I give you, right? Love one another. What does he say? As I have loved you. As I have loved you, right? Hey, I'm the Lord your God. I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I did all these great things for you. So now I would like for you to, right? Jesus is saying similar stuff. Hey, I've loved you. In the context here, I just washed your feet, even though you should have been washing mine. I washed your feet. I've taken care of you. I've, cleaned, I've cleansed you. <laughs> okay, now you need to love other people like that. Okay? See, this is, this, is, this is the way it works, right? And guess what? If we live like this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love like this. Do you know that in the Old Testament, God freed all those Israelites? He didn't free them just to create a, a, a cool people that they can just enjoy life. He created them so that the whole world would know who he was. So the whole world could stop all their idol worship and all their craziness and sacrificing kids and doing all the 
crazy stuff they were doing. He was trying to get Israel to be a light to the nations. That was always the plan. And how would that be if they, if they obeyed his words? If they obeyed his words, then the world would know. That's what Jesus is saying here. Old Testament and New, all connected. John 14, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Whew. Hello? Jesus, same as God the Father, right? The person who has my commandments and obeys them is the one who loves me. Not the person who has justified how their disobedience is really a type of obedience that's okay with God. No, because that's how we are. We disobey, but we got 55 reasons why we can really do it and how God's really okay with our disobedience, really. He really is. No, he's not. Does he love you? Absolutely. Just like I love my kids, even when they disobey me, right? But at the end of the day, there's, there's consequences for disobedience. We can't just wink at it and sweep it under the rug, right? So we serve a good, good father. And he wouldn't command us to do anything if it wasn't good for us. Do you believe that? You are perfect in all of your ways. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God would command something for you that's not good for you? I don't believe he would. So if they're the word of God, we need to be grateful for that. And be grateful that we can put ourselves under it. I hope you can just praise your father today in heaven, you know, that he is, he is so willing to take care of us and to give us his words so that we don't make a complete mess of our lives. Because we're good at that. I know I am, right? Let's just, let's just thank God this morning. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for you. You are perfect in all of your ways. You're so good to us. So good to us. And God, we, we believe your scriptures. We believe that Jesus even called himself the Passover lamb. That we can celebrate the fact that, that Jesus is the one who took on all our sins, all our disobedience, all our idol worship, all the things that we've done in disobedience to you. Jesus took it upon himself. And when he was slain, when his blood was shed, Father, that freed us from condemnation. That you could, in, a, in, a, in essence, pass over our lives and not just condemn us. We're so grateful for your plan, God, that, that we can honor you. We can honor earthly fathers. And we can express gratitude that you've given us words that we can live by. And I just prayed this morning that we can equate obedience with love and not have one problem with that. I pray that our hearts can be willing to obey and really praise you for your plan. I thank you for Jesus, and we're going to take the bread that represents his body and the, the juice that represents the blood that he shed as a a way to express our faith in Jesus and proclaim that we know he will come back and set this world right so that we can get back to an existence the way you want it, God, where there are no rivals, 
There are no third parties in our relationship. There's no more sin. Jesus is going to come back and wipe that out. And we can experience life with you where we can just listen to your words and just bask in how amazing you are, Father. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.